Welcome to Sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Rev. Dr. Matthew Richard. Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the eighth chapter. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have, no, and, and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far off, far away. And his disciples answered Jesus, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks... He broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people, and they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied, and they took up the broken pieces left over seven baskets full, and there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. My friends, if you open any history book, yes, any history book, you will read about countless political social and economic revolutions that have happened around the world on every single continent, every single country, in every single century. These political and social and economic revolutions are ways in which people work to suddenly change governments and culture and economies. The revolutions are revolts, if you will, revolts of the people to change things and perhaps make things better. Now, this brings up a very good question, and that is this. Why would a person go through the troubles of a revolution, especially when history has shown us that revolutions can be such difficult times of uncertainty, unrest, loss, and pain? Well, the answer is quite simple. Yes, indeed, it is quite simple. Every generation and all people are trying to get back to the garden. Yes, the Garden of Eden, that is to say. As we consider our Old Testament reading from Genesis, we are given a glimpse of goodness, a glimpse of tranquility, a glimpse of peace and comfort. Very briefly, while in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve did not have any suffering and they were not in need. There was no war, no disease, no natural disasters, 
No fear, no guilt, no shame, no death, no inequality, no tyrants, and no taxes, and certainly no shortage of food. Again, Adam and Eve had it good. It was perfect. It was paradise. To paraphrase an old 1990s band, the grass was green and Eve was pretty. Sure, yes, sure, they were called to work and keep that garden. However, the work in the Garden of Eden was not a punishment or difficult. It was not the kind of work that one has to toil and sweat by the brow, but it was the kind of work that one had joy in doing, the kind of work that you do which results in something to show, but without those bodily aches and pains. Simply stated, there was no distress. There was no lack in the Garden of Eden. But that all changed. Yes, it all changed, as you and I know. That which was originally good became cursed. That which was easy became difficult because of Adam and Eve's sin and disobedience in the garden against God, while judgment fell upon Adam and Eve and the entire world. From that point forward, yes, from that point forward, everything in life became more difficult for humanity. For the first time, death was introduced, along with suffering and a curse upon the food supply. So ever since that tragic day in the Garden of Eden, mankind has had to wrestle with that curse. The ground that once generously provided an abundance of food to Adam and Eve without backbreaking work now only produces food through sweat and exhaustion in the fields from dawn to dusk. Now, immediately after Adam and Eve messed everything up with their sin, we see how this curse, how it worked itself out with their sons, Cain and Abel. Instead of working in a garden without suffering and hardships, we find Cain and Abel overcome by jealousy and hatred and murder. It's very clear with Cain and Abel that the new normal, yes, the new normal in this cursed world is this, every man for himself. And so this is why things are the way that they are for you and for me. Everything that we do, yes, everything that we do to get ahead in life comes into direct conflict with that curse. Even when we look around, we can see the effects of the curse all around us. People and nations are continually grinding out that food and material goods through tiresome and strenuous work. But because of the curse... There just never seems to be enough for everyone. As a result, everyone is in this battle in life where there's a constant fight to get that food and drink and land and homes. And when we're not fighting to get these things, we're constantly comparing. Comparing our clothes and shoes and material goods to each other. Because in reality and deep down, yes, deep down, we are insecure. We think to ourselves, if we have more than our neighbors, we will perhaps outlast our neighbors in this battle against the curse. And there's more difficult news. Because we know that we are up against this curse in life, well, we hoard things in storage units. We protect our valuables with vaults and safes, and we insure our property through insurance policies, all to offset and protect ourselves from the curse of this world. 
Dear friends, it is so evident that we each long, that we desire, that we dream about being in that Garden of Eden. It is so very clear that we are all doing everything in our power, everything in our power to protect ourselves from suffering and disasters and death and on and on and on. We so badly want to live in the bliss and the protection of Eden. Now, at the very beginning of the sermon, I briefly mentioned all of the revolutions that have occurred throughout the history of human civilization. Well, there are many times, we need to mention there are many, many times that revolutions are needed to either change from one way of doing things to another or perhaps to modify how things have been done. What we must realize is that with any revolution, there is a temptation to imagine that through a revolution, we can get back to the Garden of Eden. Let me explain this just a bit more. As already mentioned, in all of us, there is this great desire, this great longing to escape the curse. We do not like the suffering. We do not like the toil. We do not like the limitations of this life under the sun. And so, since we cannot spend thousands of dollars to continually vacation in Hawaii and Cancun, Mexico resorts, where we get a tiny little glimpse of Eden, since we cannot constantly do this, well, we then naively imagine that there is some perfect political, economic, and social utopia on the other side of a revolution. Because there is such a great desire to get back to the Garden of Eden, in all of us, we create idealized visions of a perfect society in our mind. And then we say to ourselves, if we put these certain things into practice, or if we adjust these things over here, well, we can then obtain a perfect society. We can then recreate the Garden of Eden right here and right now. Oh, but dear friends, we must keep in mind that the word utopia itself, that very word utopia actually means no place. It means no place because utopias do not exist. When imperfect human beings attempt to make perfect societies, we always, I repeat, we always fail. Just as there is no pot of gold at the end of a rainbow, there is no perfect utopia at the end of a revolution. We are stuck right here with the curse as long as we shall live in this life under the sun. This is God's judgment upon the sins of the world. But we heard something else profound in our gospel reading this morning as well. From our gospel reading of Mark, that cannot be overlooked. In our reading, Jesus had compassion, as we heard in the gospel of Mark. He had compassion on a crowd of 4,000 people who had nothing to eat. And instead of dismissing them on their way into the cursed wilderness of the world to fend for themselves, well, he freely fed them. In other words, he neither told them to stand and break their back with exhausting work, nor did he say to them, every man for himself. But instead, he told them to sit on the ground so that they could freely receive. Yes, freely receive. And so after giving thanks, Jesus fed 4,000 individuals. 
He did not feed them just a little bit of food here and there, but he fed them the kind of meal where food is devoured and crammed into one's stomach, the kind of meal that makes you pat that belly and smile with contentment, knowing that you are satisfied and full. But here's the catch. We must not overlook this. Even though these 4,000 people were full to the brim, there were still seven baskets of food left over, an abundance of food. Baptized saints, yes, indeed, we live in a cursed world because of humanity's sin in Adam and Eve. However, into this cursed world, Jesus came, and he did not come to condemn this world. He did not come to somehow double down on that curse, but instead he came to restore the paradise of Eden and to feed us, yes, to feed us freely. In our gospel reading from the gospel, Mark, we see Jesus renewing the abundant bounty of Eden, freely giving an abundance of bread to the 4,000 people. The reason why, yes, the reason why this happens with Jesus is that in Christ, the curse upon Adam and Eve finds its end in him. Its end in Christ. Now, baptized saints, do you realize that in Christ and his second coming, that second advent, his return for us, that the curse will be completely undone? Do you realize that in Christ, paradise will be restored unto you? Jesus Christ has endured the burden of the curse and was raised on that third day with that empty tomb to bring you back to paradise and paradise back to you. So what this means is that in Jesus, you receive the comfort It's that very comfort of the Garden of Eden. In Jesus' new heaven and earth, there will be no more war. There will be no more disease, no more disasters, no more fear, no more guilt, no more shame, no more death, no more tyrants, no more inequality, no more taxes, and no more shortage of daily bread. Just as Adam and Eve had it good in the beginning, It will be good for you and for me as well in the end with Christ. And as you wait for Christ's glorious return to bring you back to paradise, you do not need to hang yourself on empty, utopic dreams that find their end in disappointment and not Christ. You do not need to fear the curse, for it has its end in Christ. You do not have to long to get back to Eden, for in Jesus you now have a foretaste of paradise by him giving you his unlimited and unearned gifts of his word and sacrament. Dear baptized saints, with Christ's grace, consider this, with his grace, there's no sweat off your brow, no suffering, And no toil with your hands, but instead you are called to simply sit in these pews and kneel on this altar to receive with open hands grace upon grace upon grace for the complete and total forgiveness of all of your sins. Grace without work, without work on your behalf. And when you find yourself ensnared in sin this next week, Come again and again and again to this sanctuary, to this church, to Christ's church, where there is more grace in Christ than there is sin in you.
There is grace upon grace for you, no limits and no competition to receive. Christ is the end of the curse for you. He's the end of your sins. He restores paradise to you because he cares for you. In the goodness and the hope of Christ. Amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you.